I'm Ash, and welcome to Lotus Reads. Um, I'll probably change that name, right? Because the last video, the last podcast I recorded was me playing a video game, so it's not exactly me reading. Though I was reading like prices and like names of products. Um, okay, so what you just heard was Loon's song in the Adirondacks, and it was from July 8th, 2008. And I think the uh, channel name is Visit Adirondacks. But anyway, it's a creepy sounding bird. And I read about it in one of my library books. Oh, it does come back around to the books. Good. One of my library books. Let me see if I have it. Please hold. Um, looking at Indian art of the Northwest Coast by Hilary Stewart. I'm just gonna turn to Loon. EFGHGJK. Is it in alphabetical order? Because where is Loon? There we go. Loon. Um, to us, the Loon call through the early morning. To us, the Loon's call through the early morning mist of a lake or out on the sea is a melancholy sound. To the people inhabiting the west coast of Vancouver Island long ago, the deep voice of the red-throated loon was frighteningly eerie. This bird is said to have delighted in scaring those on shore in canoes, especially in the fog that so often rolled into shore in summer. The Indians gave the bird's summer plumage an apt but unflattering name, meaning maggots on the back. Sorry, that's not nice. Maggots on the back. So rude. Anyway, there's owl, there's red snapper, there's bullhead. I need to look and see if any of these items are in my database that I'm doing, my correspondence database. (sighs) Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, Wow, I need to take a nap. I guess I need to eat a rice cake and go take a nap. Yes. Okay, so I was just talking about the moon and uh, reading from a book called Supermarket Magic, Creating Spells, Brews, Potions, and Powders from Everyday Ingredients. And it is written by... Micro Fury, F U R I E. And anyway, um, the moon is full and is on the opposite side of the earth from the sun. This is page 46 of 260 in my digital copy. Um, the side we see is fully engulfed in sunlight and appears to our eye to be complete in its roundness this time and the lunar cycle is very powerful and can be difficult if you do not proceed with caution in your endeavors both magical and mundane the reason being is that gravity from the moon is pulling us in one direction and the sun is pulling in the opposite direction so to speak so you may know that the word lunacy is a term originally used to denote the weirdness that can overtake some people at this time and indeed 
Some people do act rather loony for the three days of the full moon. It can also be a difficult time for people who suffer migraines, or these tend to be worse during the full moon time for many sufferers. I would venture to guess that it is due to the gravitational pull from both the sun and the moon acting on us from opposite directions. That being said, when we are in the middle of the alignment of earth, moon, and sun, we are opened up psychically to a much greater degree of magical energy and spiritual awareness. If we can use, make use of our access to this magical boost, we can work very powerful magic during this phase. During the full moon, it is best to work magic towards psychic awareness, goddess worship, and understanding physical and spiritual protection, divination, and anything to do with the infinity of solution, quote-unquote. So if you're embroiled in conflict and you need to find a way to make everyone happy, now would be the time. But if you go the peacemaking route, release all expectation of what you want to happen beforehand to avoid unfair manipulation. This time in the lunar cycle is delicate and powerful and should not be taken lightly. It should be respected and used only for important goals that helps take away from possibility of lunacy. Thank goodness. The waning moon is after the full moon, up to the new moon. We have a new moon coming tomorrow, new moon in Cancer, and it's conjunct my MC. When the moon appears to be moving toward the sun and decreasing in the night, in the light, in light, at this time our bodies are readjusting from the gravitational force of the full moon and preparing for the gravitational focus and new beginning of the new moon. During the waning moon, our bodies and minds are in release mode, so. It is best to work magic to release, remove, and rid oneself of anything harmful or unnecessary. It is an ideal time for banishing healings in the form of casting out illness as opposed to building strength, curse removal, and deep spiritual grounding and centering. It is also a good time for introspection, reflection, and meditation. Any task involving turning inward. This can be a dangerous time since we are a bit more open and vulnerable to the energies around us. This is the time in the lunar cycle that some foolishly work dark magic against others regardless of consequence. Since we are in a magical mindset and therefore more open than most people, I would suggest the wearing of protective amulets at this time to ensure that others' negativity does not find its way to you. Also, I would like to add a warning that when working magic to rid oneself of obstacles or blockages, be specific. If you're too general and cast a spell to remove all your obstacles, things may leave your life that you would rather keep. Jobs, friends, a spouse, and while these changes may be for your ultimate betterment, you may not wish for them to go so quickly all at once and without warning. As a rule of thumb, when working magic to gain something, be general. When working magic to remove something, be specific. Aside from any of these magical rules, the basic ethic that has been has been more or less followed is do what you want as long as it does not hurt yourself or anyone else. Many will recognize this as a Wiccan read and it harm none as do as you will as long as we remember to not allow ourselves to be harmed by others this is a fine magical guideline so that makes me want to grab my pen that i brought out and go ahead and write in my grimoire which is just a empty notebook by the way what should i put this under magic rules <laughs> magical rules 
um, so I'll just put it under spells. Um, this is gonna be. Be specific. Be general when you're doing magic to gain something. To gain something. And when working magic to remove something. So, one experience, one thing that I've heard of for removing, like, blockages is that, like, your pipes or people's pipes around you start breaking. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, I was just going to write down the details in my grimoire so that I know where my source was. So, I'm just going to go over here and look, and look at my About This Book, and About This Book says... Um, okay, so I'm just going to put at the top of the page, I'm going to put sources, and then I'm going to put supermarket magic, creating spells, brews, potions, and powders from everyday ingredients. And that's going to be by Michael F-U-R-I-E. Alright. Very good. What else? Preparing magical oils, preparing potions, preparing powders. the easiest task of them all. All you have to do is grind and charge each individual herb by hand and place them in a small bowl with the required amount of cornstarch. When all the herbs have been added, mix them together with your fingers. Charge the completed powder and bottle for use. Vinegars. Do not use your coffee maker and don't use an iron pot or cauldron. It will rust. You only need to heat up the herb slash vinegar mixture for about five minutes, and then cool, strain, bottle, and charge. I warn you, making vinegars is not the sweetest smelling process. <laughs> you can also go the longer route of just bottling the chosen herbs and vinegar without heating and allow it to sit for about a week to extract the herb's essence. This is just a less involved process and produces a good result, it just takes longer. That sounds better to me. I've done it with dandelion. My personal preference is to use candle, ma candle magic as a first resort, as this is the most natural for me. From there, I like to explain and supplement that work with other methods only if needed, but to each their own. You may find that some practices are more effective for you than others. Makes sense. Clearing and cleansing. Gotta learn about that. Four thieves vinegar. Nine cloves of garlic. Two cups of apple cider vinegar, one tablespoon black pepper, one tablespoon cayenne pepper, one tablespoon sage, and one tablespoon of th 
time. Brews created with the intention of drinking them are known as potions. Four Thieves Vinegar, whose origins can be traced. Oh my gosh, this is so funny because the essential oil people were all over the thieves thing. This vinegar is used for a variety of purposes from driving away illness to banishing banishing or even crush, cursing other people. There are many recipe variations, some including inedible ingredients such as wormwood, but this is my favorite recipe. Best of all, it contains only easily found in edible ingredients. To use the fourth thieves vinegar to clear your home of negativity, you can place a small bowl of vinegar in each room of your home overnight to absorb the negativity. I warn you though, your whole house will smell gross that night and for a while afterward. This ritual is not recommended unless you have a lot of negativity to remove. <laughs> Sorry. Also, given the fact that you may be the only magically minded person in a home shared with others, this ritual may be totally unworkable. Ning, 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 ning. You can also use Four Thieves Vinegar as a floor wash to rid your home of any astral buildup. How about just plain vinegar? <laughs> How about just plain vinegar that I prayed over? To do this, simply add a cup of vinegar to a bucket of wash water and mop or scrub the floors with intent. This is a good way to cleanse your kitchen. Why does it have to be Four Thieves Vinegar? A much less covert drastic, difficult, and or stinky technique for ridding your home of ne negativity using four thieves magic vinegar involves a bit of subtle candle magic. Take a white candle and a black candle and anoint them with the vinegar. If you can only find white candles at the store, that's okay. Light the candles, preferably in the center of the home or say at, as dinner candles on the table. Try to leave the candles lit for an hour or more if possible. This will burn away negativity and cleanse your home. You can repeat this process once a month if desired, preferably during a waning moon. Interesting. Here's a classic method for removing a negative person or enemy from your life. This must only be done with careful consideration of magical ethics, and this spell should be cast with the intent of according to free will and for the good of all. And I'm not going to read this, um, because that's going to give one more and you can call it gatekeeping but um you know if you are of sound mind and you have good ethics then you know how to check this book out of the library and i wish you blessings on your path um Okay, so as it is, this this um, book is suggesting that I um, throw away a spell in a moving body of water, and I just don't agree with that. I'm not going to be throwing jars of vinegar um, or anything into moving bodies of water. Um, we're going to have to do our magic in a way that doesn't harm the environment from my point of view. If I'm speaking out of ignorance, I'm speaking out of ignorance. It's just one way in which I may differ from the way that this Michael person or Michelle person practices their magic. This is good that he gives an alternative.
Yeah, flushing. I'm not gonna be flushing extra things either. Cleansing brew would be one tablespoon of peppermint or a peppermint tea bag, one tablespoon of thyme, sprig of fresh rosemary, optional one cup of lemon juice, and one half cup of water. You can. This is how you can use a cleansing brew. Sprinkle it around your home to cleanse it. This can be done using the sprig of rosemary as an aspergillum. Aspergillum, A-S-P-E-R-G-I-L-L-U-M. I now need to know what that means, so be back in a long time. I'm going to go down the rabbit hole about it. Depending on how my baby birds do without me, <clears throat> they seem to have gone on. I don't know where they are. They were just crying in the area, but I don't hear my babies crying. In the distance, I can hear some robins scolding their chicks or scolding them to be quiet. But nothing in our yard. I'm back um, as long as my kids don't need anything or my people don't come home early um, or a copter doesn't go above my head I have the intention that I am going to read to you about something I just looked up and that is Aspergillum A-S-P-E-R-G-I-L-L-U-M it's a holy water sprinkler <laughs> Less commonly referred to as aspergillum. Oh, it could be aspergillium or aspergillium. Wait, <laughs> what's the difference? One has two L's, one has one L. <laughs> or an aspergill. It's a liturgical implement used to sprinkle holy water. It comes in two common forms. A brush that is dipped in the water and shaken, and a silver ball on a stick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it looks like an ice cream server. <laughs> Some have sponges or internal reservoirs. So basically, my um, my my sponge that I clean my bathroom is actually an aspergillum. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> I mean, when I'm saying I'm dying, I mean that I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I haven't been having too much contact with people. Okay. Um, a brush that is dipped in water and shaken and a silver ball on a stick. Oh, it dispenses holy water. Okay, so I it's not holy water I have in there. It's actually um, witch hazel and a little bit of water. Christianity. An aspergillum is used in Roman, Roman, Catherine, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, and Anglican ceremonies, including the rite of baptism and during the Easter season. In addition, a priest will use the aspergillum to bless the candles during candle mass services and the palms during Palm Sunday mass at a requiem. If a coffin is present, the priest will sprinkle holy water on the coffin. 
The aspergillum can be used in other manners when, where sprinkling of holy water is appropriate, as in a house blessing, in which the priest might bless the entry to the home. The name derives from the Latin verb aspergere, to sprinkle. Now, what I want to know is, is, is there any foundation in the word Asperger's? Like, it's in Hinduism, other uses, modern paganism, ritual work in Wicca, spell, wheel of the year, contemporary witchcraft, lunarized, water, salt water, rain water. Aspergillus gillus is a genus of mold. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry. It was named in 1729 by the Italian priest and biologist Pietro Antonio Michelli. When viewed under a microscope, the moles were said to resemble an aspergillum. Can I see pictures? Can I see pictures? Can I see pictures? Oh, okay. Like a, like a scepter, like a wand. Because I'm looking at the aspergillus and it's like a stick with a ball at the end that kind of looks like COVID. <laughs> okay. Consisting of a few hundred mold species. Aspergillus. <laughs> Gillus. It's found in various climates worldwide. Aspergillus was first cataloged in 1729 by an Italian priest. He viewed the fungi under a microscope. Oh, let's see. Okay, so he was born, in case you're into astrology, December 11th, 1679. And he died January 1st, 1737. So, December, January 16th. 8999. 1709, 17, 19, 17, 29. So he was like 50 something when he died. He was an Italian botanist. Um, he observed that when spores were placed on slices of melon, the same type of fungi were produced that the spores came from. And from this observation, he noted that fungi did not arise from spontaneous generation. Y'all, spontaneous generation is a body of thought on the ordinary formation of living organisms without descent from similar organisms. So, from what I heard, it was like believing that flies came from rotten steak. Am I wrong? Vitruvius, a Roman architect and a writer of the first century BCE, advised that libraries be placed facing eastward to benefit from the morning light. Wow. Wow. But not towards the south or the west, as those winds create, generate bookworms. Aristotle claimed that eels were lacking in sex <laughs> and lacking milt, M-I-L-T, I'm scared to click it, spawn, and the passages for either. Rather, he asserted eels emerged from earthworms. 
oh what a concept like evolution let me see though i want to see what is vivitrius a roman architect i want to see what bookworms are what's bookworms okay a bookworm is a general name for any insect that is said to bore through books (laughs) oh The damage in books that is commonly attributed to bookworms is, in truth, not caused by any species of worm. Often the larvae of various types of insect, including beetles, moths, and cockroaches, which may bore or chew through books seeking food, are responsible. Some larvae exhibit a superficial resemblance to worm and are the likely inspiration for the term, though they are not true worms. In either cases, termites, carpenter ants, and wood-boring beetles will first infest wooden bookshelves and later feed on books placed upon the shelves. Attracted by the wood pulp paper used in most commercial book production, true book borers are uncommon. The primary food sources for, for many bookworms are the leather or cloth bindings of a book the glue used in the binding process, or molds and fungi that grow on or inside books. When the pages themselves are attacked, a gradual encroachment across the surface of one page or a number of pages is typical, rather than the boring of holes through the entire book. See images on the right. The freak! Y'all, Google traces of bookworm in a book. This term has come to have a second idiomatic use, indicative of a person who reads a great deal or is or to perceived excess, someone who devours books metaphorically. <laughs> Auger beetles, longhorn beetles, bark weevils, bark beetles, true weevils, skin beetles, powder post beetles, darkling beetles, termites, ants, moths, fungus moths, pyrolid moths, concealer moths, cockroaches, wood cockroaches, household cockroaches. Idiom. Book lice. A book louse, also known as a paper louse, is a soft-bodied, wingless insect in the order of Psoptera. I'm not a biologist. Usually trope pulsatorium typically one millimeter or less in length book lice feed on microscopic molds and other organic matter found on aging items that have been stored in places that lack the climate control necessary to inhibit organic growth areas of archives libraries and museums that are cool damp dark and generally undisturbed are common sites for such growth generating a food source which subsequently attracts book lice wow i'm just shook i'm shook despite their name book lice are not considered to be true lice as they do not feed on a living host by the 20th century bookbinding materials had developed a high resistance against damage by various types of book boring insects many museums and archives in possession of materials vulnerable to book louse damage employ pest control methods to manage existing infestations and make use of climate control to prevent the growth of potential book louse of food sources. I am shook and I don't want to see the picture of the book louse. So let's talk about 
wood boring beetles. We've got common furniture beetle, the death watch beetle, <laughs> Indian bookworm beetle. Excuse me, I think you need to say native. Wikipedia does not have an article with the exact name. Please search for Gastralis indicus and check for alternative spelling. In other words, don't call it Indian. So, I guess apparently they took it out. Um, Australian spider beetle, cigarette beetle, drugstore beetle. What? <laughs> oh, I don't want to see it. I don't like to see a picture of a beetle. The drugstore beetle, also known as a bread beetle, a biscuit beetle, and misnamed as the biscuit weevil, despite not being a true weevil, is a tiny brown beetle that can be found infesting a wide variety of dried plant products, where it is among the most common non-weevils to be found. It is the only living member of the genus Stegobium. It belongs in the family Ptindiae. <laughs> Sorry, P-T-I-N-I-D. A-E, yeah, yeah. Which also includes the Death Watch Beetle. No, no. Ah, I don't want to see the Death Watch Beetle. Oh my gosh, that's scary. Like, I'm shook. Like, don't show me the Death Watch Beetle. The Death Watch Beetle is a series of wood-boring beetles that sometimes infects the structural timbers of old buildings. The adult beetle is brown and measures an average of seven millimeters. Eggs are laid in dark crevices in old woods inside buildings, trees, and inside tunnels left behind by precious larvae. The larvae bore into the timber and feeding up to ten years before pupating and later emerging from the wood as adult beetles. I'm shook. I'm shook. Timber that has been damp and is affected by fungal decay is soft enough for the larva to chew through the, and the ancient, they obtain sufficient nourishment by using a number of enzymes present in their gut to digest the cellulose. The larva of a death watch beetle weaken the structural timbers of a building by tunneling through them. Treatment with insecticides to kill the larvae is largely ineffective in killing the adult larva, adult beetles when they emerge in spring and early summer may be a better option. However, infestation by these large beetles is often limited to historic buildings because modern buildings tend to use softwoods or joists and rafters instead of aged oak timbers, which the beetles prefer. So aged oak... I have some aged oak over here. To, to attract mates, the adult insects create a tapping or ticking sound that can sometimes be heard in the rafters of old buildings. This is scary. I'm scared. On summer nights, therefore, the death watch beetle is associated with quiet, sleepless nights. And it's named for the vigil watch being kept beside the dying or the dead. By extension, a superstition has grown up around these sounds as an omen of impending death. Because, you know why? Because your house about to, your house about to collapse on you. Because you have aged oak in your structures and beetles are coming and within 10 years, they're gonna come out and they're gonna lay even more eggs and you're gonna be infested and that is the scariest Black Mirror episode of Let's Wikipedia it I have ever done. And I'll never do it again. It all comes it all came from the drugstore beetle. My goodness. Got my heart rate up like a cray cray. Flat bark beetle, merchant beetle, 
sawtooth grain beetle, furniture carpet beetle, museum beetle, <laughs> fur beetle. <laughs> no, I don't want these beetles. African powder post beetle, confused flower beetle, destructive flower beetle, dark mealworm beetle. I want to read about the African powder post. Oh, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. It's a species of powder post beetles in the family Bostridae. I don't know how to say it. B o s t r i c h i d a e. See boast, bostric. They. I don't know how to say it. It's found in Africa, Europe, and Northern Asia. So it's not here. So I'm not even gonna worry about it. But what is talk? Like insect portals, Wiki Project beetles. Don't scare me, Wiki. Ah, I don't want to see these. It's it's literally scaring me. I don't like to see pictures of beetles. They need to be stylized. Like, I have pictures of stylized beetles on my door. But it's stylized, you know what I mean? Like, don't just... I need a trigger warning. Like, give me a trigger warning. <sighs> I hear my dogs fussing, so... And we, my human will be home any minute now. And it's been 15 minutes since I've been recording. I don't I guess I was going down the Wikipedia loop. But I am going to look up Loon on my um, association. Okay, so I am now going to look up my Loon. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I'm Actually, I don't know if I have Loon in my database. But I found out about the loon through the Northwest Tribes, a book I got from the library they were getting rid of that I had already talked about in another episode of Lotus Reads, but right now I'm looking for- I don't know how much time I have, but I was gonna look up- was I gonna look up? Do I seriously have to stop this and listen to it? Just, I want to find my franken- I bought some frankincense and I need to smell it right now. The magic of frankincense. It's a, res it's a resin from a Boswellia tree, a deciduous tree that grows on rocky outcrops. As with all resins, when burnt on charcoal, it makes a lot of smoke. Cleansing and purifying. It can also bring forth focus and clarity. Carry it with you for abundance and to attract love. Yule incense blend is frankincense, cinnamon, pine needles, and cloves. Frankincense magical properties, purification, spirituality, relaxation, focus, love, abundance, ruling planet, sun, sign, Aries, Leo, Aquarius, element, fire, gender, masculine. Another, okay, so now we're going to talk about myrrh. Another natural gum tree resin. This one comes from a thorny tree that has a long history of perfume and incense use. Okay, I feel like I've gone down the rabbit hole a little bit too far, so I'm going to have to stop my video. Okay, yeah, Loon. Now I'm remembering the whole name of the episode. Okay, Loon. Hold on, I don't know if I have time to do this. I gotta do this. Because I, I created this database. Okay, I created this database. Where is it? It's my own personal. And it just looks like an Excel page. Come on. How long ago did I work on it? Because you're going to be in here somewhere. I see lots of YouTube Thank you for my YouTube followers. Um, why can't I see it? 
Does this mean I haven't worked on it in a long time, or... Um... Goodness. Lots of... I don't need that many email tabs. Where is it? I know I... Okay, I'm gonna do a plus, and then I'm gonna say... Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get out of here. And I'm gonna look, like, do I have, like, a drive or something? Like, that I would have saved it on? Photos, notes, books, apps, Japanese. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's gonna be under like my Google. Yeah. Heck yeah. Hello. Looks like our my downtown um, herb shop is opening. Sweet. For public outer hours. Nice. Nice. Okay, that's awesome. Now, but where is okay? Come on, like give it a bookmark, you know? Like, okay, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Gmail and then I'm gonna look at those tiny squares and then I'm gonna say, come on, somewhere on this on this device, I must have a drive. Please tell me. Suggested human design. Um. Am I about to pitch a fit because I can't find the database I started? Um, okay, come on. It's, it's gonna be in here then. It, that's, that's all there is to it. Like, it's gonna be in here. And wherever it is, I will find it and I will save it. Like, no one's business. Come on. I need to check in with my grandma. That's what that tells me. <laughs> I tried to call my friend, find my friend Mark, and I'm so glad he contacted me by, um, okay, oh, oh lord, oh lord my god, don't do that to me, you're here, it's in my Google Docs, uh, you're here, okay, bird, so it's gonna be under loon, okay, loon, the, the, um, insect that goes with it is a grub, the, um, Stone that goes with it is Dumortierite, which I have some, but I don't even know how to say it. The um, animal is a monkey and meerkat, and the plant is an almond. Let me just, I'm just going to go down, I'm just going to go down a, can I just look up, I mean... Um, this loon symbolism. It it healed people of their eyesight problems. This is Native American loon symbolic meaning meanings. Um, what is the spiritual meaning of loons? It's a solitary bird of the wilderness that symbolizes tranquility, serenity, and the awakening of old hopes wishes and dreams it relies on water and water is a symbol for dreams or multiple levels of consciousness loon teaches us to follow our hopes dreams and wishes and i'm just gonna go ahead and look up um the call of the loon i'm gonna say loon 
uh, Lou, yeah. That's all, that's all I'm gonna put in my YouTube voices. Common Loon, Cornell Lab of Ornithology. I'm finding myself with a little extra time, so I was gonna go ahead and look up because we're talking about the loon bird, right? And it's associated association with almonds or the almond tree. So I went ahead and looked up about the almonds and I was very fascinated to find that it's native to Iran. It had some beautiful illustrations on the Wikipedia, but I was led to this um, Tumblr, which is called the Witch Kitchen. And there about is Witch Kitchen Etsy. Beautiful. Looks like some resin crafts, that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, this is a post from 2017 and it talks about different magical properties of nuts and so I'm using this as a verbal grimoire right now. Um, verbal, um, what do you call it? Journal, basically, to read magical properties of nuts. Almonds, mental clarity, abundance, healing, black walnut, mental clarity, manifestation, protection, healing, Brazil nut, grounding, love, balance, cashew, prosperity, love, communication, coconut, confidence, strength, and glamour, chestnut, abundance, protection, warding, love, and I, I planted three chestnuts near me, hazelnut, abundance, glamour, self-love, wisdom, protection, I have hazelnuts all around me, macadamia nut, love, abundance, protection, peanut, stability, energy, manifestation, pine nut, purification, prosperity, warding, Heck yeah, Pe pecan or pecan, longevity, prosperity, spiritual purification, protection, walnut, abundance, healing, mental clarity, luck. Well, thanks. But I also wanted to look at um, what does Wikipedia say about the almond? Okay, just just this basic almond. Um, where's the wiki? Where's the Wikipedia on the almond? Wiki. Okay. Alright, um, the almond. <laughs> the bird is either warning me that there's bigger people around or annoyed by me. It's a species of tree native to Iran and surrounding countries, but widely cultivated elsewhere. The almond is also the name of the edible and widely cultivated seed of this tree. Within the genus Prunus, it is classified with the peach in the subgenus Amygdalus, distinguished from the other subgenera by corrugations in the shell, endocarp, surrounding the seed. By the way, I'm not a biologist and I might not be pronouncing these words right. The fruit of the almond is a droop, consisting of an outer hole, hull, and a large shell with the seed, which is not a true nut inside. Shelling almonds refers to removing the shell to reveal the seed. Almonds are sold shelled or unshelled. Blanched. Blanched almonds are shelled almonds that have been treated with hot water to soften the seed coat which is then removed to reveal the white embryo. I want to look up droop. Droop, droop, droop. Droop or stone fruit. In botany, hey, it is an indehiscent fruit. I-N-D-E-H-I-S-C, 
ENT, in which an outer fleshy part, exocarp or skin, and mesocarp or flesh surrounds the single shell, the pit, stone, or pyrene, or hardened endocarp with a seed kernel inside. These fruits usually develop from a single carp, carpal, and most from flowers with superior ovaries. I have superior ovaries. Polyphrenous, poly, polypyrenous droops are exceptions. The definitive characteristic of a droop is that the hard or quote lignified, I will not lignify that with a response. <laughs> if I'm not careful, the um. The birds will start copying me. <laughs> I'd rather they just copy me sniffing when I have allergies than like my little cackle. But <laughs> okay, it's derived from the ovary wall of the flower. In an aggregate fruit, which is composed of small individual droops, such as a raspberry, each individual. Uh oh. It sounds like my beasts have been released. And, and the birds, one of the birds just goes, Fuck. <laughs>